with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. Another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Talking about the best game there is. 8-Man football in the gym state. Week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey. Joined, as always, by Will Henneke at Idaho8Man on Twitter. Hey, Will. Back in the kitchen for another week. It worked well last week, so I figured let's do it again. Yeah, and I'm back at my home after being on the road in Idaho Falls last week. And, of course, we've got the the old ball coach on with us, Coach Lane Kirkland from Cary High School as well. Lane, good to see you. Yeah, going to be a good night to talk about eight-man football. What do we got? Yes, well, we have got a lot to get to, but as always, we start off each episode of the PrepCast with our Game of the Week. Now, this is from the previous week. It's the best uh, overall game, not necessarily in terms of implications or storylines, but just what was the best, most exciting contest? Second time this year, the Deary Mustangs are featured. Uh, This time, though, they're on the wrong side of it, Will. They get into a shootout with Lakeside. These are both D2 programs, but in different districts. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, Lakeside scores with... 115 to play. Quincy Hall scores to give Lakeside a 42 to 34 lead. And then Deary's got the ball one final time and they're driving and ultimately get stopped on fourth down. And the Knights pull out a wild one, 42 34. But this was a back and forth affair. Yeah, they played some fun football games up there. And you mentioned Quincy Hall with uh, the big touchdown for Lakeside. I mean, here's a young man. It feels like he's been playing there forever, uh, but that's because he continually does good things for the Knights. And in three games, he's 460 yards rushing and six touchdowns. You want to talk about, you know, and, and I'm I will mention this over the course of the night. I'm I, I'm not a big fan of preseason rankings because basically we're guessing, um, and but I think we're getting to the point where we have we kind of have an idea of 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 where the leopard spots are, if you will, and uh, some kids are starting to build their all state applications and resumes and whatnot. And, and Quincy Hall's one of them. He's uh, been a, a great playmaker for them so far this year. Yeah, Coach, the old cliche as well. Whoever has got the ball last is going to score. That wasn't necessarily – or whoever's got the ball last is going to win the game. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case here with Deary. They got turned over on fourth down. Well, de- defense wins games too sometimes. Um, so – yeah, and uh, not too a high-scoring affair either. It looks like a defensive battle, so a good uh, good competition up north to uh, to kick off the 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 season there for those guys. And Deary once again, uh, giving their best, but coming up short. Yeah, they've done this... a nice job. They've they're playing with their number two quarterback. Uh, Nolan Hubbard was not the kid they expected to be the the quarterback when the season began. Wyatt Vincent, the junior. Uh, lost over the summer to an injury and and here's a young man coach we talked about this a couple of weeks ago you can either you know use injuries as a crutch or you can use them as an opportunity to you know somebody to step in and make something happen and and it's happening in Deary this young man's doing a great job and this is a team that really has a chance to compete for a playoff spot in the 1A Division II classification. Yeah. yeah, fun to see uh, fun to see those kids rise and, and uh, somebody to fill that spot uh, good for the Deary Mustangs. Yeah, Hubbard had 126 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, Tucker Ashmead and Dawson Bovard scored on the ground. 
for Deary as well. And Lakeside's quarterback, Liam Hendricks, rushed for a pair of touchdowns. And, of course, Quincy Hall, 190 yards at three touchdowns on the ground for Lakeside. Getting it done. That was our game of the week. So let's just stay up north, fellas. And in the North Star League, that's where Lakeside plays. Uh, we had a really good game between Clark Fork and Wallace as well. I was debating whether this should be our game of the week. It was a 20-14 to 14 win for the Wampus Cats, Will. Um, we're not used to seeing games, you know, Coach Kirkland said, boy, 42-34, that's kind of low scoring. Well, this is really low scoring. Yeah, you get some of those people around, uh, you know, around the field up there, and you're used to seeing, you know, 50-40 to 40 type games, and it's 20-14, to 14, and you're wondering where the heck the offense is. But uh, I guarantee you both coaching staffs are just over the moon at how their defense is played. And if you can play defense in eight-man, if you can get some stops, you're always going to give yourself a chance. And, uh, you know, I, I think both coaching staffs up there, both, you know, Coach Young and his staff at Wallace and the new staff at Clark Fork have got to be really, really happy with how their defense has performed. Yeah, Pat Young in his first year coaching Clark Fork High. He is a former player for the Wampus Cats. Uh, Chase San Roman rushes for 165 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Ryan Downing gets two rushing scores. And that's your difference, 20 to 14 the win. Um, this is, uh, what, what was the lowest scoring game you were ever a part of, Coach Kirkland? Well, it was actually last week in junior high. I'm the junior high coach. And it was 0-0 zero to zero after four. And we went to uh, to overtime, and we won eight to six. But uh, somebody take the air out of the ball. What's that? Somebody take the air out of the ball or something? Uh, oh, it was slow motion, man. <laughs> it was slow motion, but uh, it it happened. But I guess last year, Grace seven to nothing. That's the lowest scoring it could be. Yes, and that was the what came to my mind immediately uh, was that that game with Grace last year. It seems like we revisit that a lot here on the Prepcast, Coach. I don't mean to, oh, but he's mad about it too. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Clark Fort gets the win. So now the Wampus Cats are two and one in the North Star League. They're two and one overall as well. Wallace is one and two in league. Uh, Wallace, we talked about a really young team with a lot of freshmen this year, kind of taking their lumps, but they've been pretty competitive. This entire league, I think, Will, is is really fascinating between Mullins St. Regis, who defeated Kootenai 62-30, to uh, Kofi Apia uh, returned a punt 45 yards for a touchdown um, among the highlights. Um, so Mullins St. Regis stays undefeated. They're 2-0 in league. But between Mullins St. Regis and Clark Fork and Lakeside and Wallace, I mean, I think any of the four are capable of pushing any of the other four on any given night. Right. You, you don't have the the thing that, that Mullen St. Regis had going for a long time, uh, whether it was Adam Ball or Caleb Ball or uh, any of the, you know, I mean, they just had such a slew of playmakers going there for a while. You go all the way back to, you know, Sky Galloway um, and the Trogdens, all the Trogdens. They, they had a big pony every year. This year they don't really have that. What they have is they have three or four players – Kofi Apia being one of them who are capable of making big plays and they're finding out who, you know, who's, who's going to be that guy, who's going to be that home run guy. So maybe they've come back to the pack just a tiny little bit, but both Clark Fork and, and Wallace and, and Lakeside too, they've shown that they're going to be able to compete. So that's going to be an interesting race as we get into October and, and a lot of those teams see each other two times from a scheduling standpoint. So 
seeing, you know, when, when some of these guys see each other for that second time, who makes the adjustment, who makes the change, and then who makes the plays. But I think you're right. I, I don't uh, I, I don't know that you can just write anybody in ink just yet coming out of that district for a playoff spot. Yeah, I was going to ask what you thought about that, Coach Kirkland, where it's a league of five. You have four conference opponents, and because it's so hard to find other teams to play up north, they all just said, well, we'll just play each other twice, and it'll all count towards the league standings. What do you think about that? The opportunity for, for example, Clark Fork lost to Mullen St. Regis 20-6 to earlier this year, uh, fumbled twice inside the 10-yard line. Uh, so they're thinking, we can't wait to see these guys again. Will you get it with this kind of round-robin double schedule? Yeah, do both games count, or the first or the last count, or are they? How is they that? They all. They both count in the league I'll, standings. Well, it's going to come down to coaching and who's the healthiest in the end and who's grown the most, and uh, that will make for some great competition, especially those second games uh, coming back around. And uh, if kids can stay mentally tough and, and keep fighting and, and feel they all have a chance, which it looks like they do, um, going to be competitive ball. Yeah, it's just an interesting scheduling quirk up there in the uh, North Star League. And we will talk more about a big matchup we've got from the North Star League on IdahoSports.com this Friday night uh, when we start previewing the upcoming slate of games. Uh, let's let's stay in North Idaho, though. Let's go over to the White Pine League 1AD2. Uh, Timberline picked up a Thursday night win over Wilder last week, 30-8. to eight. Uh, This was a game, Will, that was called at halftime because Wilder – the injuries were just piling up and they, they looked at the scoreboard and said, we're good with calling it here. And Timberline agreed. And you hate to see that happen. Um, Wilder has been very banged up this year. Yeah. They're, they're decimated right now. Coach Bailey and, and his kids, they're, they're working their butts off to try and just, you know, put a good product on the field. And they've got some kids that can really play ball if they can ever get them all together. And that's been, uh, that's been their problem this year. And over on that other sideline with Timberline, this is a team that for a couple of years, Ryland West, you know, it was, you know, you, you hitched your wagons to that young man and it usually good things would happen because he was just such a battering ram of a fullback. Well, now he's out with an injury and what they've done or what at least what it looks like they've done, at least what they did on Thursday that I really liked, they shifted the game plan a little bit. They didn't ask somebody to try and duplicate Rylan West, they said, we don't have another Rylan Lowest, so we're going to take our quarterback, who's a heck of an athlete, uh, Corbin Christofferson, and we're going to have him wing it around a little bit. You know, he threw 10, 10 12 passes in the first half. You know, there, I'm sure there have been plenty of games over the last couple of years where they didn't throw the ball anywhere near 10 or 12 times, but uh, it worked for him. You know, he was accurate, he was efficient, and uh, he got some points on the board for him, and it'll be interesting to see if they stick with it going forward uh, in their league. Yeah, Corbin Christofferson was 8 of 10 for 209 yards and two touchdowns. That's not bad in, in one half of work. And uh, ironically, Wilder actually scored first in this game. Noe Anguiano scored on a four-yard touchdown run, and then Timberline put up 30 in a row after that. The, there is a balance you have to have, Coach Kirkland, right? Uh, it, generally speaking, in Idaho 8-man football, a lot of teams run the rock, and that makes sense. But you have to have at least some semblance of a passing game. Otherwise, it becomes really hard the deeper you get into the postseason, right? Correct. You need to have a, that balance there and, and additional weaponry and, and either spread in the field or a play, good play action to get that five-yard pass out and see what you can make of it after that. And, uh, it always keeps people guessing, and that, that's important to have in your arsenal. 
And we're starting to see other teams that are skewing way more towards the pass. I think of Lighthouse Christian and Logos in particular, a couple of teams we'll talk about here coming up, but a good win for Timberline, their first win of the year. They're now one and two on the season. Let's go up to the one a D one white pine league now where uh message sent Logos is for real. They took Kamii, the defending league champions and dismantled them 40 to 14, the final uh, Jack Driscoll, 413 yards of total offense, three touchdowns passing, two touchdowns rushing. Um, and really, I think the story that's getting buried here, Will, is Logos' defense is really, really good. Oh, yeah. They've been they've been terrific. They haven't – and I had it written down on a different piece of paper. I don't have it on the piece of paper here next to me. But, you know, their cumulative score, they've only given up something like 22 points in, in three games. And, you know, you don't need a great offense if you're only giving up one or two touchdowns per game. But the thing is, they got a pretty great offense. You know, we talked about players who are starting to author some resumes for all state consideration. Jack Driscoll is certainly one of them, the, the senior quarterback who's been leading that team ever since they became a varsity team. And they've got, you know, 30 kids. And for the, you know, the most part, almost all of them have been in Logos from the get-go. So this is a group that has grown together to get where we're at now. And, you know, right now, Kamiya is a good football team. They're a really good football team. And Logos, um, I, I'm sure the coaches wouldn't say it was easy, but the score was they won comfortably. Um, and, and that is something that is going to have a lot of people down around where Coach Kirkland lives looking around going, hmm, you know, maybe we need to, instead of just like, let's let's pencil in Prairie and let's, you know, let's write in some of these traditional teams, maybe we need to make sure we're keeping an eye on this Logos group. Yeah, yeah. that's that's interesting stand that they, they took this week and a great big statement and uh, says that something's going on there. They got the kids to make it happen and the camaraderie to follow through with it in, in beating Cami. That's, that's a big win. Yeah, huge statement delivered by Logos, and uh, they are 2-0 in the White Pine League, 3-0 overall. They are currently sharing first place. Uh, let's see, your leaders in the White Pine League are, as I check my notes, Logos and Potlatch. That's that's what we all had in the preseason, right, Will? Yeah, of course, yeah. And, <laughs> and these two teams play in a couple of weeks, and, um, you know, I don't I, – I don't – anything can happen. Any given Friday, I'm giving all, all my – uh, reverence to that, but I, I think it's very possible that both these teams they don't taste defeat between now and then, and they play in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, really interesting matchup. Potlatch is incredibly well coached. Logos, I can't say they're not well coached because they just keep getting better and better and better. Uh, and they're just such an explosive, dynamic team. It's, you know, if, if that's what you had on your bingo card coming into the season, that it was going to be Logos potlatch at the end of September for the driver's seat in the 1A Division One White Pine. You know, if you took that to a, a casino and put down five bucks on it, you would have made a little money, I think. Yeah, Coach Kirkland, Logos is only in their third year of varsity football Uh at the high school level, um, but they've been playing football longer than that. I think it goes back five years. They actually started with a junior high program first before there was even a high school program. They took this group of kids and said, okay, if we're really going to do this and be serious about building a football program, we have to build it from the ground up. And so they started with junior high only. And now those kids are in high school and doing amazing things. 
I thought that was a good way to build to build up the program for a, for a school that's trying football for the first time. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. You start them young. You keep that group together. You add to it here and there. You improve in your coaching, and your kids get better, and they work at it. And uh, all of a sudden, you're on the map, and uh, you're on on everybody's on high alert for the new kids on the block. So, congratulations to Logos. Uh, I know they're they're excelling track and basketball, and it looks like they're doing the same here. So. Yeah, I got to I got to go to Logos a couple of weeks ago and uh they they said, "Hey, we we're we're known as a basketball and a running school and and we want to be known for more things than that and they're definitely uh, on the right track." So so Potlatch is the other team that's currently uh undefeated in White Pine League play. I'll be honest guys, last week I picked Prairie to win this game and uh that didn't happen. So I'm here to wear it and own it. Uh Potlatch runs away with a 50 to 8 win. Um, I'm not surprised that Potlatch won, but the margin of victory, Will, was pretty significant, I thought. It was. It, and I'm I'm same as you. I believe I picked Prairie to win that game as well. So we're both, you know, we're both eating crow here this week. And, you know, Coach Ryan Ball, great job there with that program. You know, him and his staff and his kids, you know, they, they just compete. They don't always have the biggest, you know, numbers, but they just, they show up and they go out there and they battle every week and they're rarely a pushover. And, uh, Jack Clark, a tremendous game this past weekend for Potlatch, and they've put themselves in a good spot. They've put themselves in a really good spot going forward to uh, potentially be playing, you know, really meaningful football in November. Yeah. What was more impressive here to you, Coach Kirkland? Jack Clark for Potlatch, he had three touchdowns on the ground and two touchdowns passing. Was that more impressive or was it his play on defense? He had two interceptions on the defensive side of the ball as well. What was more impressive to you? Well, he probably converted those two interceptions into scores, so I'd have to go with the offense on that one and uh, and credit those guys, uh, credit him for that. So get the ball back and go score again. Well, 50 points is pretty good. Yes, uh, Tanner Garrels also came away with an interception for Potlatch, and he actually returned his for a touchdown uh, as well. So Potlatch had three takeaways uh, in total on defense. And uh, Prairie scored on a 33-yard touchdown pass from Noah Beeler to to Levi Gehring. And uh, the nice thing about the White Pine League is there's always an opportunity awaiting to, uh, to get right. And so uh, good luck to the Pirates as they try to do that. Let's go to uh, your neck of the woods, Coach Kirkland, District 4, the 1A D1 Snake River Conference, where uh, Oakley, after getting knocked around by Kendrick a little bit, I think they I think they took the field with a renewed focus and energy uh, in a 76-38 to 38 win over Murtaugh, Coach. This was a really impressive performance. Yeah, it probably made him feel a lot better to put up that many points and, and to get rolling in the conference and, uh, and kind of get back on on schedule of things there to a good start for them um, as they head into conference play now and to uh, just uh, get the ball rolling again and get comfortable and fix things that weren't quite right the, the week before and uh, and really took it to a, a Murtaugh team who put up quite a few points. But uh, 76, it's hard to compete with. Yeah, Will, I, I had to laugh about it. I'm like, if you're Murtaugh, you're like, hey, you know, we put up 38 points. That That's going to win us a lot of games. And then you look and you're like, man, 76 is like double what 38 is. That's, yeah, that's tough to compete with. Not only did they put up a decent number of points, they had two runners run for over 170 yards, Junior Benitez and uh, uh, 
Sawyer Young, both over 170 yards. You got to feel like as a coach, if you can have two runners go over 170, you're going to have a pretty good chance. And, you know, they lose the game by 38 points. You know, the thing that really struck to me, and coach, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Oakley, I think the perception on Oakley is they're going to just kind of bang you down. Um, Kyler Robinson threw for 356 yards, you know, or I, I don't, I mean, I know that in the past they've thrown the ball and they've had explosive receivers, Jake Pulsifer and, and others come to mind over the years. But I mean, if this is a team that can wing it all over the field and you still have to defend for the Bry Severs, who's still there, that's going to make Oakley a real handful. Now he probably had a little more time this week to get the ball off and then, uh, and probably practice a little more on, on getting rid of it sooner as well. And uh, with guys like Bridger Duncan and Isaac Cranny catching the ball in company, uh, those, those are going to be some serious weapons uh, if you're keying on severe. And uh, that was a great way to attack with the pass. That's a lot of yards. Yeah, and Cooper Beck, too. He went from playing center to, to playing tight end, and it, he's just picked it up naturally. Sometimes it's hard for those old linemen to all of a sudden be running routes downfield, but uh, Cooper Beck also has played really well this year for Oakley also. And, yeah, Murtaugh, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, at least they got Oakley out of the way. <laughs> they can now worry about the rest of their league schedules. Speaking and junior of, survived. And junior yes. Survived. Was it was it the Oakley game that he got injured in last year? I knew it yeah. was early, but yeah, that's great to see Junior Benitez running the rock like he does so well for Murtaugh. Um, another team, Will, that's really slinging the ball around the yard is Lighthouse Christian. Uh, they had no problems with Rat Forever, a 40-12 to 12 victory. Justice Schrader, 389 yards, five touchdowns. We're kind of used to seeing that from him, but man, this was a, a another statement win for the Lions. You know, it's it's becoming just another day for that young man. He's headed up to the University of Montana to watch the Grizzlies play this weekend on a, uh, you know, one of those invitations. Uh, I believe it was it goes under the classification as an unofficial visit. But hey, we want you here. And you know, I don't know that the Big Sky has gone mining for quarterbacks too often in the Twin Falls area. So that that tells you something right there. And uh, you know, he's got a host of good players around him, but. You know, that young man just continues to produce and and Lighthouse Christian, you know, when they when it, when they face Oakley, especially if if Kyler Robinson is, you know, turning into Aaron Rodgers 2.0, you want to talk about a game that could be a lot of fun to watch watching those two just wing it back and forth up and down the field. I might buy a bag of popcorn and just go in and watch that one. Yeah, I, I uh he he played more than four snaps, so he's already better than Aaron Rodgers. So that's there you go. Maybe not my best example. <laughs> uh yeah, this was a big victory for Lighthouse Christian. Um, and that's cool. Justice Schrader going up to UM. That's uh that's where I grew up. I'm I'm a diehard Montana Grizzly fan. So let's let's do it, guys. Let's get him signed. Let's do this thing. That, that would be awesome. Uh where do, where does Raft River go from here, coach? Uh they're they're 0 and one in league, they're one and one overall. Uh, not the way you want to start the conference, but plenty of opportunities here to right the ship. Right. You know, that game was, it was a little closer than it appeared um, in the mirror at half. Uh, I believe Lighthouse uh, scored to go up 22 to 12 or something like that. I, I have that game film because we're playing Lighthouse this week and, and watch that. But uh, I, I think they're, they're okay. 
I saw some good skill players in, in Raft River taking care of the ball and doing some good things against a talented Lighthouse team. Um, I just think they ran into a, a ship that's uh, that's rolling pretty pretty strong in the wind with uh, the ball getting slung around there. But I think they'll be okay as they as they still continue to head into conference play. Yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on Raft River certainly, um, but we're just we're just used to penciling them in at least into the quarterfinals and and beyond. So uh, we'll see what Coach Chad Evans and, and company can do this week. Uh, we talked about this game last week, guys. The battle for the Stanley Trophy uh, between Valley and Glens Ferry. Uh, Valley gets the win, fifty-six to forty-two. Kind of a shootout. Uh, Josh Hardy was slinging the ball all over. Pedro Robles was making plays everywhere. Um, Drake Jones played really well. He had an interception on defense. Um, and they, they basically Valley will built up a 21 to nothing lead early. And then from there, the two sides kind of traded scores, but because Valley was able to bankroll those points early, um, they were able to, to sustain the win. You know, they did a nice job getting out in front and coach Ayers and his staff have done a nice job, you know, getting reacclimated to the eight man game after a couple of down years in the two way. And they've got a, They've got a good group there, and they're playing themselves into that playoff position as well. When you're talking about the number of at-large bids available, um, you know, Valley plays Murtaugh, I think I think it's this week, if I'm not mistaken, and that's a game where the winner of that matchup probably puts themselves in pretty good position uh, to, to be an at-large team if, if they're not able to go to go win the, the, uh, the conference, and, and they put themselves – the, the winner puts themselves in a pretty good spot, but specific to this game, uh, you mentioned Josh Hardy. Kids, a, you know, he's 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 a lot like his brother. He's not really big. He's just a good football player. And then on the other side, a name to keep in mind for Glens Ferry, Josiah Valencia, averaging 10 tackles a game at linebacker, and then he's running the ball for 75 yards a game at fullback. And you got to get it done. You know, you got to have kids that can get it done on both sides of the football if you want to succeed in the eight-man game. And Glens Ferry has a couple of those kids. They just need a little bit more experience and just physically get a little bit bigger. But they they got some kids uh, in Glens Ferry for sure. Yeah, Glens Ferry took uh, seventh place last year in a seven-team conference. Coach, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Glens Ferry could go to a lot of other conferences and finish, you know, second, maybe even first. Um, they just play in such a difficult league. They do. They do, and they have a difficult schedule. Um, and uh, they, I think they're going to improve this year. That looked like a good game for them, competitive game. And like you say, those 21 points come early. Sometimes you rely on those in games like that that uh, may be equal to start, that uh, Valley was able to survive in that. And uh, those young kids are growing up and getting better, and uh, you can't count out Glens Ferry. I think they'll continue to grow as well and and improve throughout the season. Yeah. So we, we talked about the Stanley trophy and, and what it means to the two communities uh, on our magic Valley prep cast that I do every week with Scott Burton, where we talk about just district four athletics. Scott was able actually, actually uh, was able to get a picture of the Stanley trophy. So nice. here I'm going to, sh- I'm going to put it up on the screen. It's going to lop off all of our faces, but it, you'll see the, the, the best Stan- part of the podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you guys think about this trophy. I think it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, that's great. Wow. What do you, what do you think, Coach? That's 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 pretty uh, pretty special. Yep, good looking one right there. 
Yep, it's got all the results from the previous years. It's got a little inspirational message, uh, you know, promoting good sportsmanship. Um, and so, yeah, Valley gets to hang on to the Stanley Trophy for another year. But that that trophy is humongous. That's I like that. That's a trophy right there. That's what they should give out at state instead of the little blue uh, plaque, right? Well, they <laughs> like the banners, right? Coach, you yeah. like those banners. The banners are nice. Yeah, white ones are pretty. <laughs> that, that looks that looks like a heavy trophy. The heavier, the better. That's right. Uh, so congratulations to Valley uh, for retaining the Stanley Trophy. Um, okay, let's uh, stay in District 4, but go to the 1AD2 level. This was a game we had on IdahoSports.com, gentlemen. I went back and watched this game. Uh, Butte County and Camas County, really close for a half. And then in the second half, Butte County shuts out Camas County 22 to nothing. That just doesn't happen a lot to the mushers coach. I was very surprised to see that. Yes. Uh, Sam must've made some great changes at halftime. And I know his, his kids are very motivated and uh, weren't going to let that uh, happen on their home field there. I'm sure they have some goals with that home field to uh, protect the house there. And uh, I came out slinging and Brody Westergaard just going crazy. I'm getting some good blocking going, and uh, he, I've seen some film on him. He's a great runner. He hits the hole hard, and he just keeps uh, gaining for yards, and his blockers are amazing. Um, yeah, Westergaard was our IdahoSports.com player of the game, 161 yards rushing, three touchdowns, had a sack on defense as well. But uh, we talked about this, Will. Butte County, it's not just one guy. It's it's Brody Westergaard and Ross and Twitchell and Razor Duke. I mean, they've just got – numerous playmakers yeah and and coach you could you could break this down way better than i could but they they do what they do and it's almost like they don't even care if you know they're just going to continue to do it they're just going to do that thing and and you know coach uh you know sam over there coach thorngren does such a nice job always having somebody ready to step up and it helps when you got you know 30 kids out there on the field you know to have a little bit of depth there but there never seems to be much of a drop from year to year. Every year they got somebody that's ready to slide right in and produce. And we talked about kids that are starting to build that all-state resume. Brody Westergaard's got to be one of them. And, and Butte County's got to be a team that if you're talking about teams that have a chance to be one of the last ones standing, it's, it's, it's them. They're averaging 51 points a game. They really have a chance to uh, you know, with Water Springs and Council the next two weeks, and then they have a meet-in-the-middle game against Kendrick uh, three weeks from now uh, here in the Valley, here in the Boise area. I believe that game's being played in Homedale, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, they they really have a chance to uh, get themselves in a good position to really do some damage in November and, and you know, be one of those last teams standing. And, and Camus was a good game for them, a good challenge. Uh, they, they need those games early on to make those adjustments. And uh, obviously, 22 to nothing, second half, adjustments made, adjustments done. Yeah, Camus County led at halftime 28-24, and then uh, the wheels kind of fell off from there. Uh, <clears throat> let's move to another interesting non-conference showdown. Rockland was playing Hagerman. And again, Will, uh, Hagerman's quarterback uh, – Wyatt Maven Camp had been injured the week prior against North Gem. I'm not sure if he played in this game or not, but 
the fact that Rockland won didn't surprise me, but again, it was the margin of 48 yeah. to 12 victory. Yeah. And, and I'm the same because Hagerman had played well coming in and uh, Rockland had, had, had frankly not played as well as, as I think most people thought they were capable of, but they certainly played well in this game. And I, I still think they're, they're probably positioned to be the team to beat coming out of uh, the Eastern side of the state and in one, a division two. Um, and part of it is just because of that six foot five unicorn they got under center. Uh, you know, Teague Matthews can do a lot of things that teams at that level are just going to have a hard time defending. And if they can get on a roll, they're going to be a tough matchup for a lot of teams. 297 yards, seven touchdowns passing for Teague Matthews, 123 yards rushing and on defense, nine tackles and an interception. Just another day at the office. What what does that do for a team, uh, Coach Kirkland, having a six foot five guy like Teague Matthews? You just don't see a lot of those in in the eight man game. I was going to say typical eight man guy <laughs> doing everything, <laughs> both sides of the ball. But uh, hopefully, hopefully every team's got one of those. And, and Teague is a is a great competitor. I've uh, seen him run and track, and he's just an amazing, good looking kid and a nice kid. Uh, to definitely caught fire this last week and did, did a lot of things for his team. And that's what Rockland needs as a good leader to uh, to pick up the pieces there and, and rally through the conference and, and keep it going or get it going. The best uh, basketball play I've seen since I've moved to Idaho involved Teague Matthews and his brother, Wes Matthews. They were playing together. Uh, Will, they were they were playing Clark County. This was like two years ago, I think. And they they got They were playing up at Dubois and they got out on a fast break and Wes threw up an alley-oop to Teague and he just two hand jammed it and brought the house down. It was pretty cool to see. Um, it's, it's wild. You think about it. Teague Matthews is a kid that won the state player of the year in basketball a couple of years ago. And he wants to be a football player. And, you know, it, it's not very often you're going to have D1 scouts. We talked about with Justice Schrader. But this is a guy, Teague Matthews, who's got Division One teams, you know, Boise State, Idaho State, Weber State, He's Eastern Washington. He's got those kinds of programs looking at him. And, and it's, that doesn't happen often. So, I mean, I really hope the people over there in Rockland are – you know, they're savoring their time watching this kid play because he's a, he's a special athlete. Yeah. Uh, if I, if Idaho state doesn't get uh Rockland, that's right, right in their backyard. Some, something's got to miss there. Um, so Rockland gets their first one of the year. They're one and two Hagerman drops to two and one uh, castle Ford was back in action playing garden Valley. Well, this is a game that you uh, were at. You were just kind of yep. taken in the action. Yep. Garden Valley wins this one 45 to 18. Welcome back to Coma Kelly. Uh, he was up to his usual tricks. Uh, he uh, scored on offense. He returned a fumble and an interception for touchdowns on defense, if I saw the film correctly. You did. And Gar yeah. Gar Garden Valley runs away with this. Yeah, they did. And it, and it's uh, it's also one of those games like Coach Kirkland was talking about earlier that the final scores may be a little bit deceptive. The the white hat, the, the head referee, was saying to me on the sideline at one point that every time it feels like Garden Valley's about ready to run away with this thing, Castle Ford would make a play and kind of close that gap a little bit. But in the end, Castle Ford, uh, just, they just ran out of bullets in, in against Garden Valley. Garden Valley, you mentioned, was able to get a couple defensive scores. Um, Caden Zimmer, their, their all-state wide receiver, left it in the first half with an injury. So in the second half, I thought a great adjustment by Garden Valley. They have a couple of, a couple of big gentlemen in, in Trustin Brown and Trevor Korn. And 
They just said, okay, we're just going to get behind the pads and we're just going to hammer on this Castleford team a little bit and see if we can wear them down because Castleford, as we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, this is a young team. They have some good seniors in, in Jaime Ramos and Cash Keach uh, and Crash Taylor. They've got some really talented seniors, but you know they've got somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 10 freshmen on their roster and some of those kids are playing heavy minutes and you lean on them and eventually they kind of wear down a little bit. Um, and I think that that's what happened. And Coach Kirkland, I know that uh, Castle Ford is going to be back on the schedule uh, for you guys starting next year. And I know you pay very close attention to them in the junior high, so you know what's coming. They've got some dudes that are coming. that They really do. This is kind of that transition year. But, you know, Garden Valley's good. Castle Ford has some, some good players coming. They do, and uh, we played their junior high yesterday and had to come back down 12 and uh, one by two at the, the end of the game. There were some good some good eighth graders to come fill in that program to uh, to supplement those seniors that go away after the end of this year. But, you know, that that's a hard-fighting freshman crew, and uh, that's that's a pretty decent uh, score against the Garden Valley squad. I just want to know, was that uh, awesome announcer at Garden Valley, was he still, still calling the shots there? That guy – He's always entertaining. He makes the game fun. He gives those guys nicknames. Uh, I remember some guy named Hurricane Heilman. Um, uh, he just True made it fun. Yeah. True story. Um, yeah. And I, I won't put anybody's names on this, but you mentioned the you mentioned the public address announcer up there in Garden Valley who does a fantastic job. There was a play where um, Garden Valley was running a, an option, and they pitched it. And the pitch hit the ground, and, and Castle Ford recovered it. And then a flag came out. And everybody's all kind of quiet. And the, the referee says, we've got an illegal forward pass. That penalty is declined. Call on the field stands, first down Castle Ford. And so everybody kind of looks around a little bit and goes, well, if it was an illegal forward pass. And then all of a sudden you hear this booming voice over the microphone. That was a forward pass. It can't be a fumble. Or something to that effect. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, yep, there it is. There it is. There's the guy. And the referees, like like Coach Yearsley said something, and you immediately saw the officials go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, we, we goofed it up, and they fixed it, and they got it right. But, you know, he got on the microphone. It was like the voice of God telling everyone in Garden Valley, no, that is not a fumble. That is an incomplete pass. Yeah, we should have an award out there for Idaho Sports that uh, that gives it an award to the best announcer. I think he might get that one. He gets my vote. There's a guy down. Well, no longer, unfortunately, he's passed away. But Horseshoe Bend had a guy like that. It was just your little old farmer guy that lived for Friday night to grab that microphone, and it was like you were watching a TV broadcast. He'd be like. You know, there's a handoff to Johnson. Did you know his dad took some cows over to sale the other day? And he made a, you know, he made a great sale on that. I mean, he just, he talks through the whole game. And if you weren't entertained, you, you don't have a pulse. And they've they've now named that little press box area after him. And uh, games aren't quite the same there. They do a good job. But you're right. A good PA announcer can make a game a lot of fun. Nice. That's, we can, we can call it the Golden Pipes Award. What do you think? There you go. Make it happen, Brandon. You're the man. Let's go. All right. I'll, uh, I'll workshop it. Uh, I'll run it up the flagpole, see what we can come up with. <clears throat> um, Will, real quick, you did mention um, 
the two linemen up front, Trustin Brown and Trevor Corn. I did like at the end of the game, Coach Deersley rewarding his big fellas with a little goal line action. Each of them got a rushing touchdown uh, late in the game as well. So I, I did think yeah. that was pretty cool. And you yeah, had a really in the backfield a lot in the second half, and they're both, uh, you know, Corn's a two hundred and twenty pound kid, and then and then Brown's six foot two, six foot three, two hundred pounds, and man, that's. That's a lot of size and strength running downhill at you. And it, it took its toll on Castleford in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And you had a great story too about Timo, the Timo. Uh, the the Garden Valley kicker. And if you want to uh read that story, you can check out this week's uh eight man three star awards column that Will wrote. It's uh right on top of the homepage at IdahoSports.com. Come can't reveal everything on the podcast right so no, uh, no. Go, go check that out that was a great job by will uh conveying that story there um okay so canvas county loses hagerman loses castle ford loses dietrich wins okay somebody in the conference got to win dietrich beats Mackey 46 to 8 uh connor perkins four touchdowns rushing one touchdown passing uh, Brody Torgerson was active on offense and defense as usual. Um, Dietrich now two and one. You know they they lost that first game of the year to Garden Valley, and we all thought, oh boy, what's going on in Dietrich? Uh, but Coach Blue Devils seem to be rocking and rolling. Yeah, I think Coach Estelle and crew have found themselves and uh, are calling some some good games and, and improving and getting better and, and getting used to those uh, those new kids and those new spots and. Uh, I know that Dietrich's always been very disciplined and uh, making sure their kids know what their assignments are and, and doing better each week and improving and demanding that perfection and improvement each week. And uh, I think there's still containers uh, to watch out for. Yeah, it's the only win out of the, the Sawtooth Conference last week. But, uh, that's that's where it starts. And uh, I, I think those other teams will have chances as they come along throughout the rest of the season. So, Will, I, I wanted to ask, you know, in terms of the conference in general, we're used to seeing the Sawtooth Conference kind of be the, the preeminent conference in 1AD2 football with last year, you know, Castle Ford and Dietrich and and Kerry, you know, when they were in the league not that long ago. And I'm wondering if statewide the conference as a whole has slipped a little because we're seeing, you know, these sawtooth teams dropping these non-conference games to teams from the Rocky mountain conference in district five and six, or the long pin conference over in district three or the white pine up North in district two. So in terms of a, of a conference overall, are they still the, the big dog at the table or have these other conferences caught up a little bit? Uh, I mean, I, I think the other conferences might've caught up a little bit. And I also think it depends on how you measure it. If you want to play, one versus one, two versus two, and on down the line. Um, you know, I'll still take the I'll still take the sawtooth over. You know, just about everybody. You know, you're looking at a team like let's say. I mean, I think Camas County is probably going to be the one. I think there's a pretty good chance Dietrich winds up the two. Um, pretty, and then at that point, I think you got Castleford looking at a potential three, but Haverman nipping at their heels. You guys have, you know, you guys have seen enough of Hagerman to know if they're, if they're your four seed and they're playing the number four seed out of, say, Eastern Idaho, and maybe that's Water Springs, um, you know, maybe that's Mackey, you know, who who do you give the advantage to? I think I still lean Sawtooth a little bit. Time will tell, and we'll see. And there's obviously that's like, you know, 
who's the greatest basketball player of all time. There's no way to know because you can't actually play it out that way. Um, but I still like the depth of the conference as a whole. Um, I just think like last year, I think you had, I mean, arguably three of the five best 1A Division II teams in the state, period, uh, in, in that league. You know, you had Kendrick and then you had the Sawtooth, basically. Um, I don't know if that's the case this year, but I still think that um, I still think it's a pretty good conference. What do you think, Coach, about where the Sawtooth stands as a league as a whole compared to the rest of the state? I, I agree with uh, with Will um, on that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I know both some of those programs have lost a lot of kids. Dietrich lost a lot of seniors, um, but they, they're still winning. Um, Castle Ford lost a big load um, off their group there, and they'll, they'll come back around to maybe down just a little bit, but still – playing above and uh, consistency in coaching staffs, I think plays into that as well to, uh, to help those guys continue to win. So. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, early reports of the Sawtooth Conference's demise may have been exaggerated. We'll see as the season goes along. Um, but speaking of uh, the long pin conference from district three, two games I wanted to touch on quickly here. Uh, Council shuts out horseshoe bend 44 to nothing. Well, I feel like we haven't, talked about council enough we we've talked about horseshoe bend a lot we've talked about garden valley a lot council just kind of quietly doing their thing a 44 to nothing shutout though pretty impressive yeah if you can quietly shut out a team 44 to nothing i you know really impressed um that's another one and i feel like we say this quite a bit on this podcast am i surprised council won the game no not really am i surprised they won it 44 to nothing and i've watched horseshoe bend with my own eyes. Um, I think that's a pretty good football team and, and council just, you know, manhandled them basically. And that's, that's a really good win um, for a team that is looking like they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're trending the right way in terms of their play. And, you know, Owen Hatfield, the quarterback and Dalton Brigham, the running back, they've got some nice pieces there. Um, and, and, you know, that's a team that I expect to be playing in November. That's a team that I expect to potentially make some noise and, uh, we'll just have to wait and see how much, but you're right. It's, uh, the lumberjacks. Sometimes we don't talk about them as much as we probably should, but I think that they're a really good team. And I'll, I'll tell you, watching them on film, the fullback Mason Roberts, man, he really stood out to me. He had two rushing touchdowns, great lead blocker. What does a good fullback do for, for your offense coach? Oh, anytime you get a big hit or a great big block or run over somebody, your, your team just elevates another level. And uh, that that's always fun to hand that ball off and just watch the guy go do something amazing. And uh, yeah, they're unstoppable. Yeah, and, and Council's got enough balance, too. They, they completed a lot of deep passes against Horseshoe Bend um, as well. So I think Council's a very dangerous team um, that's lurking. Uh, Tri-Valley, we haven't talked about a lot this year either, Will. They they We, we send out a, a preview form to every coach around the state. Coach Kirkland used to have to fill those out. You, uh, you don't have to do that anymore, which is probably nice for you. But um, we also ask every coach to kind of give us their preseason coaches poll. Hey, how do you think the conference is going to shake out? Or we asked them, you know, what's a team in your conference that could surprise people this year? And we got a lot of response from coaches that said, try Valley, watch out for try Valley. And they've got a new coach in Tyler Wagoner and they beat salmon river 50 to six. This was an impressive win. And this was one that like, depending on where you checked, I saw like three different scores for this game. So I wasn't sure for a while who won the game or what the score was. Um, 
and you know there was there was one outlet that had it reported as a Salmon River win, and I'm like, whoa, that's a big win for Salmon River because I think Tri Valley is pretty good, and the thing that they have more than anything is man, they're fast. They are a fast football team, and it's quite the reversal of fortune. I remember several years ago, uh, Butte County went in there for a playoff game against Tri Valley, and Tri Valley just had a bunch of big old plow mules, and it was just a mud fest. And, and I remember the, the reports afterwards saying the weather played right into Tri Valley's hands because the field conditions were so bad that it just negated anyone's speed. Well, now that, that coin is fully flipped. You know, with Clayton Harper and the rest of the, the gang up there in the Titans uniforms, if they get that corner, man, that's that's got to be a nightmare, Coach. You see that guy start to turn that corner and realize that there's no help out there. And, uh, okay, kick return, kick return, get ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you better have them close sometimes. Uh, Tri-Valley's got some great tradition, you know, over the years. Uh, when Back in the days in the 90s and when they were uh, the, the Cambridge crew, um, and all those uh, those close communities, and uh, not not too long ago, 2017, Tri Valley going to the, the state championship against us. Um, there's some some pride still left in that program, and some good things there, and a community that really rallies around them. And uh, there there is some dangerous speed left on that field, and you can't you can't compensate for speed. You just better spread them wide and all for the best. Yeah, Clayton Harper. He's about six two. I'm guessing six two, six three, maybe. And he did he win the 100 at the 1A state track yeah. meet this past spring? Yeah, right. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. And he he's a wide receiver for Tri Valley, and they they pretty much throw it up to him, and he'll go get it. Gage Warren is the running back. He did a phenomenal job, and they've got a freshman quarterback, Jay Swagener. And I'll tell you, he sure doesn't play like a freshman. He uh, he he looks in command of this offense and looks really poised and, and great under pressure. And so, yeah, Tri-Valley 1-0 in long pin play, 2-1 overall. We're definitely keeping an eye on the Titans. Um, let's let's preview quickly some of the, the noteworthy games coming up this week. Gentlemen, we've got four eight-man games on IdahoSports.com this Friday night. How great is that? Yeah, hard to pick which nice one to watch. Well, let's start with a, a non-conference game. Uh, that we're going to be broadcasting on idahosports.com. It's a six o'clock kickoff. It's an hour earlier than usual, six o'clock mountain time. Um, so Grace can get home a little earlier, but Grace is making the long trip across to notice will. So Grace is three and one notice is two and zero. Oh. they haven't played as many games, but this is kind of a measuring stick game, right? Grace got all the way to the championship last year. Notice we think is still going to win district three. So another measuring stick game for the pirates. Yeah, I think they're both solid teams, and I think we're going to learn a lot um, about both teams either way, win or lose. Um, if Grace is able to come over here and author a strong win, I think that's going to speak really well of Grace because I think Notice is a quality football team. Uh, and the inverse is also true. Um, you know, I, I think Notice coming out of District 3 probably has a little more to prove psychologically because um, the, the perception around the, the state is that uh, the Western Idaho Conference here in District 3 is 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 down, it's soft, it's weak. Pick your adjective, whether it's fair or not. Uh, I think that's the perception. So I think any time for notice that they have a chance to go beat a Clearwater Valley or to beat a Grace, uh, I think that that's an opportunity that, that those kids are going to really latch on to and, and try to take advantage of. What do you think of this matchup, Coach, between Grace and Notice? 
I think it's a great matchup, and uh, it's it's always fun to see. There's been a, a lot more of these, it seems like, in recent years of cross-state matchups early in the season, picking up these extra games against quality teams and quality programs. And uh, this, it's going to help both teams. Like Will said, either team come out of this, they're going to learn something about themselves. And uh, we'll see if Grace can travel on the road and then play at, the, at a tough notice field. That's a good program there. And uh, and we'll just we'll find out a whole bunch about uh, both teams here um, when this game plays out. Do you do you think that we're seeing more of these you know heavyweight matchups because of the max preps rankings and you get rewarded for playing a more difficult schedule? I think so. I think so. But I think also teams are interested in good matchups. Um, there's a lot of blowouts in eight man football, and those are those are boring. They're, they're tough to coach. It's more more player management than anything, and you don't grow from those things. But uh, the max preps in that D1 division uh, definitely is going to play into that and uh, will help either team rank a little higher. Yeah, so grace that notice, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, Friday night on IdahoSports.com. Also, Friday night on IdahoSports.com, a D1 versus D2 matchup. Council will be hosting cami so here's council two and one trying to defend their home field will and now here comes cami i kind of licking their wounds a little bit after losing to logos last week they check in at one and one this is an interesting non-conference matchup as well it, it's really interesting in that you're, you're looking at a cami team that wants to bounce back and a council team that has a, a good offensive line going up against what i think might be the best 1a division one player in the state of idaho and porter whipple and they got to contain a great defensive lineman that all he does is go out and make 13 tackles and three sacks in every stinking game. And the council offensive front is going to have to account for him and they're going to have to do their best to control him. Uh, otherwise, you know, if, if Whipple runs wild and he's making a lot of noise on defense, it's going to be, a, it's going to be tough for council to win that game. They really need to, they really need to at least have a stalemate at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, this is going to be a big-time matchup for uh, Kamei making the long trip south to see if they can come through with a road win. A third eight-man game on IdahoSports.com. Like this game even needs an introduction, Coach. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. It is Oakley at Raft River. How do you think this matchup goes? Well, um, I'm sure Raft River's hoping they can fire that cannon a half a dozen times and uh, and shockwave the, the Oakley Hornet sideline. Uh, I, I think Oakley uh, has the upper hand coming into this game, but I, I know that uh, Raptor will will give their best and have a good game plan. Chad Evans always has a good game plan going into those games, and we'll know how to manage the clock and and the ball, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens in uh, Trojanville. The last time Raft River beat Oakley was two years ago. I was there calling it on IdahoSports.com. It was a very low-scoring game. Uh, and I think uh, since then, Oakley has kind of tilted the rivalry back in their favor. But that's our third of four eight-man games on IdahoSports.com this weekend. The last one we've got is up here, guys. I'm going to be at uh, Lakeside hosting Clark Fork. These are two of the teams that are battling in this North Star League. It's going to be at the Merriman uh, Health Center. It's uh, a brand new facility that was built by the Coeur d'Alene tribe up here. Uh, it's a turf field. It's a really cool deal for the communities of Plummer and Worley. It's all being Worley Friday night for Clark Fork and Lakeside on the turf. How about some eight-man football on the turf, Coach? What do you think? 
Hey, nothing better than that. It should be fast. Um, I love the turf. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll get one of those 80 to 60 games up there. <laughs> I can only hope, Will. What do, you, what do you think about this matchup? First time Lakeside and Clark Fork are going to see each other. Well, I I'll, ever since you said you were going to be there and it's in Plummer, there's a Zips there. And if you've never eaten at a Zips, you're missing the best that God has to offer in terms of food. So after the game, that's you need to go in there. If you haven't ever done it, you need to go into that Zips, get some dinner. That's You will not regret it. Um, you know, two underrated uh, playmakers, Chase San Roman for Clark Fork, Quincy Hall for, uh, for Lakeside. Uh, I, I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be a show. I think this is going to be back and forth, up and down. I don't know about eighty to sixty, but I could see like a, uh, you know, a forty-eight forty type game here, and, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've never been to Zips, so it's I've added it to my list of things to do on Friday. <laughs> Coach, next time you go north, there's a Zips right across from the Kibby Dome. So next time Carrie's up there for a, a playoff game or a state game or something. You've got your marching orders. Go into Zips. And this is an unpaid endorsement. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I don't have a name, image, and likeness deal with Zips or anything, but I'd take one if they were willing to offer. Zips. All right. We'll check that one. Yes. <laughs> All right. One one final non-IdahoSports.com game I wanted to preview quickly, guys, is Rockland at Castleford. I feel like everybody from District 4 is playing Rockland this year. And so Rockland's kind of like a, an unofficial member of the conference um, after uh, losing to Dietrich in a close game and then beating Hagerman last week. How, how do they fare against the Wolves, Coach? What do you think? Um, it should be a, a good matchup. Um, seems like Rockland's on a roll there and Castleford's a little wounded. Uh, I, I think uh, both teams are going to be hungry and out to prove something. Um, I think Castleford's going to go in there feeling like they got a good chance, and Rockland's going to go not 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 today. Oh, it should be a, a good matchup. Well, what do you think about this one, Rockland at Castleford? When you're talking about matchups and you talk about you know the unicorn Teak Matthews, Castleford might have an athlete who's able to compete with him a little bit. Not that he's six five and you know, attracting college interest to play football. But Cash Keach, uh, watching him up at Garden Valley last week, you know, number 11, you know, he's over here making a tackle. He's over there making a tackle. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. And, um, you know, if, if they're able to in any way uh, limit the, the damage that Matthews is able to do, I think they've got a really good chance to get the win in this game. And I think Cash Keach is going to be the – the central figure to that. If he plays well, I think the Wolves have a good chance to, to get the win. Yeah, it's going to be another great slate of eight-man football across the state this weekend. Uh, and again, four games on IdahoSports.com. Grace and Notice, Kamii and Council, Oakley and Rapt River, and Clark Fork and Lakeside. So no excuses to uh, not get your film study in, gentlemen, this week on IdahoSports.com. All right. <laughs> You're going to be quite you to send out notes after your game. Yes, I will. I will give you a detailed scouting report on what I saw. Coach, you're going to have like four screens going at one time. You're going to quad quad box it. Yeah, I'll have to borrow my kids' phones and while I watch us play Lighthouse, and we'll just we'll just get it all going there and see what happens. I like it. I like it. <laughs> 
eight man overload for sure. Well, thanks for tuning in everybody to another edition of the Idaho eight man prep cast for Will Henneke and coach Lane Kirkland. I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you next time on idahosports.com.